Welcome to Romance with a Cocktail. I'm Peter. And I... Oops. <laughs> Don't even have my microphone. There's a lot of feedback. Okay. Feels like there's a lot of feedback. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Ashley. And we're... Married! Today, for Romance and a Cocktail, we're going to be uh, talking about Kissing Kosher by Gene Meltzer. Uh, we are Jewish protagonists mm-hmm. inside story of the Jewish community. Yep. Um, I. Uh, it's no Chaim Potok, but you know. A different story. You you know, lesser, we all have stories If you want a lesser all. man or woman's Chaim Potok, there you go. You got Kissing Kosher. I mean, is he really telling us about romance, though? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I only, I think I only Chosen. read a couple. Yeah. Um, is mine working? Yours is working okay. to me. You're, Sounds You don't weird. hear it? I don't think so. Hmm. Say something. Hello? Yeah, you're wor- it's working fine. Sorry for that interruption. Mm-hmm. And what do we have to drink? I see you already took a sip before we even yeah. talked about what we had today. So, Cheers. Cheers. It's another pink or reddish drink. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. You like That's it? That's my kind of drink. What is that? It's a Dead Sea Mule. A Dead Sea Mule. Okay, so clearly I could tell it was a mule, but what makes it Dead Sea? Grenadine, maybe? I don't know. Because <laughs> it because the Dead Sea looks pink because of the um, oh, salt I, content. I guess that's probably... It's probably when you said that, I was like, mm-hmm. oh. I didn't put two and two together. I had no idea why. Because it's also tequila, which is weird. Oh, but that's probably why I like it. You know, I like tequila. Hmm. Like tequila, like ginger. Yep. Yep. So, interesting. I wonder why tequila, though, in the Dead Sea Mule. Well, also, this is the first mule. I actually followed the directions. And instead of giving us each a half a can, I gave you a full can. So, more non-alcoholic beverage. Right. Smart. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good choice. Especially for a Sunday when I have to drive mm-hmm. down to Miami. So. so are you ready to just dive into this exploration of Jewish love? I am. Okay, so tell me what you thought. I don't know. I thought it was hackneyed, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to pursue this. Um, well, uh, well, why don't we start with things that maybe you liked or that it was yes. there anything you thought was interesting? I will agree that there were some parts where I was like, okay, not it, buying They it. just laid it on too thick. Right, I agree. There's a little too much. And there's like a lot of depth to Jewish culture and religion and they sort of mm, didn't give it that depth. So you didn't think the exploration of like intimacy and how Jewish culture can promote intimacy yeah. was at least, I mean, it's a romance novel, Peter. That's, like we're not like, well, that is, I thought that was kind of yeah, interesting. No, I thought that was probably the best part was, um, Rabbi Jason, even though he was a bud tender, which made it kind of weird. Well, he wasn't just a bud tender. He was like doing tantric exercises in his living room. Yes. But no, that's not what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about like, he was like leading the, Effort with the marijuana. Yeah. He employed bud tenders. I I understand. I just, I don't know. Um, I think um, devout 
religious Jews would probably have some serious issues with Rabbi Jason. Yeah. I mean there well, probably there's I mean, a lot of wisdom that he that they laid out that is um pretty orthodox Jewish wisdom about intimacy and about not touching and all that kind of stuff. Um and then it was sort of like uh put together with a bunch of new age sort of ideas of well, if you what read intimacy is. I mean the key that he failed to talk about was like this is within the covenant of marriage. I was a little surprised about that actually. It I w- thought that's where it was going. Like yeah, there was or none at least of that. some form of like promise or something. Maybe I, I just he didn't go that, to, that was the piece that really Because it was a very traditional idea about intimacy, yet Yeah. I don't like people who just like cherry pick what they like from Orthodox religious wisdom and sort of say well, I like this, but I don't like this other stuff. So I'm going to just discard what I don't like and keep what I do like. I don't. I think. If I you, think that can. I think that can be a dangerous thing. But if me. you read her acknowledgement, she specifically talks about the rabbis she worked with, and maybe it doesn't mean you would still would like it anymore. But like, well, definitely you, is coming from particular communities in the D.C. area, actually. I'll be interested to read that. I did not read it. Oh, it's it's pretty long, so you should read it because it has quite a bit of um, DC detail. Area, yeah, DC area. If she names specific places, you might even know some. One was in Maryland. Um, I think one was in Virginia. Were they Chabad? I want to say there was something referencing Chabad. Actually, hmm. yeah, specifically, I remember, and I want to say that one was in Virginia. Um, I'd be interested. Because my experience of Chabad, sexual contact outside of marriage was pretty much forbidden. So, I mean, I just think that that was a glaring omission. Whether or not you want to take the wisdom or not, I think the fact that they omitted any discussion of marriage, like no self-respecting rabbi would. But I mean, there was oh, ma- marriage. marriage. Like her brother was like proposing, and was really wanting to get married. She, he was pushing her to want to get. married. Yeah, but married. this rabbi is like so deep on the wisdom, but like just wholly does not bring up marriage at all. Doesn't bring up marriage once. I mean, that's crazy to me. That seems like that seems like malpractice, rabbinic malpractice. Yeah, the. Um, Rebetzin Nichami Fanjland of Chabad Reston yeah. for her classes on Jewish intimacy and love. Okay. But that's interesting because there were different rabbis who informed her writing about cannabis. So it could be that she's melding two yeah. views into one. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. I just, I mean. Uh, I'm not sure it's like super well ordered. Like okay. I don't think I don't think. But I mean, my experience of Chabad people, and look, she went to the to the rabbi's wife. That's and that makes sense that she would have somebody from Chabad. 
I could see them teaching about intimacy. Oh, is that what Rebetzin? Yeah. So I'm sure I can see like their classes on mm-hmm. intimacy. I could see that happening. Um, I can't imagine that a Chabad rabbi's wife would teach a class on intimacy that didn't hold up marriage as like a, a fundamental building block of intimacy. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't know, but... I mean, I mean you're right. I I'd be very I will be surprised. honest. I thought he was going to talk about that because he specifically talks about his marriage and his wife and, like, as they're having that conversation about intimacy. But often your critique of romance is that they just, like, are attracted to each other sexually and that's, like, all the book is about. And in this, mm-hmm. although there was that, there was, like, a lot of getting to know you, a lot of connecting. Yeah. Um, well, they were forced. And I didn't, I, you know, I don't really like forced. forced. They were forced by her disease to, to do, go this intimacy route. Okay. But, I mean, that's probably true in life. I mean. That's sad. It's a sad commentary on modern life that you have to be forced by a disease to focus on intimacy instead of orgasm and sexual gratification. I mean, if that's true, that's true, but I'm sad, that's sad that that's Well, but you don't have to, but you may not, because of modern life, you may not even consider it if you're not exposed to those ideas. I mean, they are at a kosher, they're both keeping kosher, they're both pretty religious. I just don't see really religious people who are keeping kosher, who are rapping to fill in, who are doing... But they do talk about it. They actually talk about how they have some challenges in figuring out their religion and figuring out what they believe. They are fairly observant, but they specifically have a conversation about their beliefs. I don't know. To me... You know, I've done a lot of thinking about this sort of like ancient, yes, I couldn't ancient hope to wisdom match versus a conversation with you. I'm just trying to like versus modern modern enlightenment thought, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see people who are so adherent to traditional I mean, it's it's almost like they adhere to the traditions that maybe don't make any enlightenment sense, keeping kosher and wrapping to fill in. But then when it comes to stuff that um, does make some, let's say, sociological, anthropological, there is some evidence that the institution of marriage, like, predates the church and may even predate the Jewish religion. Like Mm -hmm. this institution of monogamy between human beings is like an institution that may be older than the oldest religions in the world, right? That That there is ample evidence that this is good for you, good for family, and they don't want to adhere to that piece of old ancient wisdom, but they want to adhere to these I mean, to fill in and and keeping kosher, there there really is no like 
There's the no logical, scientific mean, reason, reason for it. There's no logical. So reason. why wouldn't they? Because they're creature. They're they're stuck between tradition and the modern world. Why wouldn't they take everything that has both modern science and traditional wisdom and do that? Which marriage, I would believe, would be one of them. And why would they? It just it, it just didn't ring true to me, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, I the only way this rings somewhat true is that it is New York. So I think there probably are Jews in New York who are probably in this place that like they're doing some super orthodox stuff, but then they're like totally outside of it. But but the the thing that doesn't strike me as authentic is there's not even one trace of guilt while they're doing it. They're just they're pursuing it and there's no sense of guilt. And I thought it was very telling and it was just an offhanded thing that Meltzer did when they bought a t-shirt when they bought their butt. Do you remember what it said? No, but I remember buying the t-shirt because I what is suffering is not a mitzvah. I wondered what you would think about that because, you know, you talk about suffering. Well, I, I, and I, I think it's probably a wise thing. I think it's probably true. There isn't much evidence that like a Stoic or an Augustinian thought about suffering as part of Jewish okay. um, religion. I, do, I don't think it is. I, no. I think that's probably true. I think most rabbis would agree that suffering. So not like the Christian tradition. Of it's suffering it, as well. They don't have a you know they don't have somebody don't who have died on a cross, cross. and um, they would probably say suffering. There is some suffering that comes with some mitzvahs, but some of the law. But they wouldn't say suffering in and of itself is a mitzvah. And and there is some sense that suffering is part of like the highest order of love in Christianity. Okay. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Agape, you right? Know, that sort of. I just what doesn't strike me as authentic that there's not even a thought or a sense of like guilt or anything. I mean, guilt. Come on, it's, it's right. Judaism. Why would guilt not factor <laughs> into this at some point? She didn't do a lot with that actually in general. Like you did get the sense that Avitel was like torn in some ways. But there wasn't a lot of guilt in general for anything that she didn't feel a lot of guilt in general. Like there wasn't a lot of dealing with that as an emotion. Um, now that I, think I have the sense, it. and this is armchair psychology one hundred and one. So who knows? I have the sense that the author probably grew up in very traditional, very Jewish circumstances. Mm-hmm. Probably in New York. I mean, maybe not, but probably maybe DC. Maybe um, she lives there now. Clearly, or right. she was there writing her book. Even. Um, but surrounded, you know, it could have been like Silver Spring where we Mm -hmm. lived, you know, where there were lots of Orthodox Jews around us. Um, and, but she is part of the firmly planted in the modern enlightenment order and just wants to take a few things from the culture because culture is rich. She's still deeply connected to her culture and growing up, even if she has some modern ideas. How deep is your connection if perhaps the the, the number one thing in your life, you, you, you don't 
like, I mean, she's writing a book about romance, and she, like, totally eschews the cornerstone of what. But she didn't. I mean, they were getting married. Her brother had already gotten married. The rabbi talked about his relationship with his wife. Um, the two grandfathers, marriage. The Her parents were married. I mean, how many romance novels do we read where there are lots and lots of marriages all around? Not mm-hmm. a lot. So marriage was around. I agree. Was around? There I were mean- lots of people. And again, even though he didn't say to them, that they needed to be married or anything about the importance of marriage. He did start his conversation about it from the point of view of him being married to his wife and the importance of intimacy Mm. with his wife. And he talked about intimacy in the marriage, like in marriage, in Judaism. Yeah. So it's like a kind of a mix. So I don't know how, it's certainly not as like, I mean, it's more connected than most of the novels we've read. Yeah, but there's no. You're right. Neither, though, that there is neither like of the protagonists no concern, have, no have no thought of it or concern about it. They just eventually have sex. I mean, but don't you think because that's really like the real thing that this is about is her, her disability having a chronic pain condition and the author has a chronic pain condition Vag pain if you will she doesn't ha- okay please stop and do you- she has doesn't have that she has a different one because her first book i think features the same thing that she the author has what does the author have it's something it's some type of chronic pain condition um, um because her first book the but this ball, one was my vag pain right it was pelvic pain they called it but it included her vagina yes um and so, like, that's her chief concern mm-hmm. right now is, like, how does she move forward in a condition that you and I honestly can't imagine? That's what right. I kept thinking. Like, right. Like, this is really hard. Yeah. Like, to read and to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah, sure. It was about that. I found it really hard to sort of empathize because nobody wants to read about chronic genital pain. I think that's the challenge of it to me too. And I want to be, you know, super like read stories from all these different perspectives and like understand the pain. And it is hard to read that because it is very hard. Well, also, and I'm saying this because I come from a Jewish background. So I'm saying this as somebody who has many relatives that I love there is a, a sort of a culture of hypochondria in Jewish Peter. religion. Well, it's true among culturally. It is like, a, a, I would say it would be joked, a neurosis. It's joked about by Jewish comedians. Right, but this is neurosis. clearly not that. But I didn't like that it was Jewish and oh. that it was constant talk about like how your Pain. body feels. Like that is like a joke that comedian Jewish comedians make about oh I'm hurting and I'm but that's not what this author is trying to do. I get it, but like she's not doing that. That is a stereotype, unfortunately, and this does nothing to undo that stereotype. It makes it much worse. And I get it. It what it is a real condition, but even my experience with people I love who are Jewish has been like over concern about health issues, I would say. 
but then it must make it even harder to be Jewish with an actual chronic pain condition. And so even more. Well, I don't know if it makes it harder. Makes it makes it in some ways easier because everyone gives you one hundred and ten percent credibility as soon as you start saying something. Anybody can kvetch about their chronic okay, but pain that's conditions. Not what this is so I feel well, like we need saying. to make it clear that that is not what the author is doing. And she's trying to make sense of like what it is for a woman to experience this it just made and it hard. have intimate. It's like my friend. I've got a friend who's a certain brand of Asian, and there's a a certain uh, a same brand of Asian comedian, and he can't. He's he's been like, don't send me any more of his clips. I can't watch it anymore. I think he's a hack. I don't like so it. So you have the same problem watching some, certain comedians? No, no, I don't have the same problem watching certain comedians. But they're there to laugh at themselves on purpose. Right. And I'm like, that's okay. I have the same problem with, like, I, I, I've i straddled both worlds. I've seen people who are anti-Semitic, and I've seen people who are, you know, I've been within, right. within the Jewish community, and at the same time, it's like... um. Because of my name, and because people don't necessarily know I'm Jewish right know. away. Yeah. Um, you know, I get this. I get this sense that any outsider who's reading this, if they harbor even a little bit of prejudice in this direction, because they've seen comedians, because this is a stereotype of Jews, is gonna see it that way, and that's where I'm like, but this I is don't not. Like that. This is written first of all for. It is, I mean, of course, other people read it, but they're probably like me, fairly sympathetic readers who want to read romance novels from different, like, cultural backgrounds, experiences, life. So most people are reading, because otherwise, this is clearly written for, like, women for suffering from chronic pain and potentially Jewish, or at least Jewish, because some of the stuff she doesn't even translate. Like, there's, like, Hebrew in there that you don't even know what it means if you don't speak. It's not Hebrew, it's Yiddish. Yiddish. She doesn't even translate some of the Yiddish. It's, I mean. I mean, you can guess because general, like, terms. No, there's just Tukis and Meshugas is only. No, although I wouldn't have known to read that as Meshugas, even though I know that word from you saying it. It's just Meshuganas, which he, it's the same. It's the same word. But there are other words in there, for sure. And she never describes exactly what all the food is either. That's true. Uh, I didn't even. And know so, what like, some we don't even know. And I want to like know because yeah. you know some of it sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do love a good challah bread, so I'm like, oh, I don't never tried any of these others. But now that my ticker is not so good, I can't eat challah bread anymore. Okay, let's it's probably high cholesterol. Well, he could it's probably he could probably create a version that would be good for you. Yeah. Never tastes as good. Maybe not, but maybe. So, I mean, I don't know. I struggled with that. I struggled with uh, the constant. I mean, if it were just waspy New England types who are struggling with chronic genital pain, it would probably be hard for me to read. On top of it, you've got the stereotype of Jews being neurotic about their health and then like I just, it just hurt me to read it. I don't know. I, maybe that's my prejudice. Maybe that's my prejudice mm-hmm. reacting to other prejudice. But I, re- I hated that. That's, I, I hated that. That's what 
I had to read over and over, and it was super detailed. It was like it was very detailed. It like went on yes. and on and on about exactly the the way it hurt, exactly what treatments she was taking. I mean, I mean my, it's not a common romance word to read. Vul, what is it, vulvodynia or something? And we read it multiple right. times in there, and I actually didn't. Google I mean, this is you're three percent into the book. Sitting down on the toilet, Avidal shut her eyes and tried to breathe through her pain. The burning, aching pressure increased. Her stomach cramped. Really what she needed to do was take the day off. Lie in bed with ice between her legs, a heat pad on top of her belly, drowning in rescues, the colloquial term for the over-the-counter medications and non-traditional remedies used when pain was the worst. I mean, that's... that's Oh, like it a, was super early It was on. just yeah, like vi- over and Maybe over and over beginning. vivid detailed descriptions of genital pain but that's probably what it's like if you're suffering from that and like you can't think about anything else that's part of what the novel is about like it like it was just like it's so all-consuming that it changes yeah and so you are and so maybe what i got out of it was you have to find another really damaged person to to love you well they did kind of actually say like they're both broken well and they died a little bit like so abusive, like so over the top. The way the Crazy, the grandfather right? was like talking to the grandson, like you killed your parents over and over and like, over. Terrible, again. like super crazy, crazy. And he was like old doing that. It was like it was just it, that was over the top. And then the constant descriptions. I of, mean, I I thought the abuse and then like the trauma in his life was f- pretty dramatic in general, right? Like parents died, and a grandfather constantly. Well, and his sister with the traumatic him. brain right. injury. It was, and so I don't know. I, I just, but it was like fascinating. Like who sits? And then down? I didn't like that she was like the author was like trying to down corporate America for artisanal bakeries and stuff like that. That's just a bunch. But that of is kind of like the culture of today. In like, especially in cities and the north, east, and I mean, there's like a return to the appreciation of homemade, like artisanal, quali- like quality food. If I were not somebody who had to worry about his diet because I've got high cholesterol and a bad ticker. Okay, let's not be dramatic, but yes, you have high cholesterol. So. Um. I would be eating Entenmann's every day. Entenmann's very You would not. Yummy. You would never buy Entenmann's every I used day. to buy Entenmann's all oh, the time. Oh, is that what you read that as? Entenmann's? I wonder if I wonder if Entenmann's is Jewish. I was just saying, thinking that too because you pulled Entenmann's out. Well, Entenmann's was so I used good. To buy when I was in college, I would, I would buy the big I boxes. Saying, I, I used to buy those chocolate chip cookies when so we lived good. in Maryland and you would eat those little chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's still Maggie eats their little bites. She loves them. Yeah. But, I mean, you had to, like, thinking about those fresh-baked breads was, like, those are probably delicious. Maybe. I haven't had much good bread, I guess, probably. I don't know. I really, I haven't, like, I can't even remember one time I've eaten a loaf of bread and thought, this is really good bread. Probably because I've never had any good bread. I don't know. I would say maybe in a restaurant. I can't really pull it out because bread for me is not, like, a... It does. It's not the thing that I would be like. Oh, let me eat all this bread. But I would imagine there have been a couple of restaurants where I'm like, "Wow, this is really good, like warm bread or something." 
But I'm you, trying to you, think. You don't even remember. See? It doesn't stand out for me. And but for I do, you, you care about but food. But good hala is delicious. Like, we used to get it in Maryland, and it was better than what I've ever bought here. I don't, I don't even buy it here anymore because yeah. I, like, at the store, because I don't think it's very good. Yeah. And, I mean, I would just get it at Whole Foods or something, so it wasn't like I was yeah. getting it from a bakery. Well, he was also a billionaire, so let's not poo-poo the fact that he's put together billions of dollars building oh, his clearly, food empire. Yeah. I mean, they name well, him as a billionaire. Prada, I mean, so. The you know. author was more concerned. Yes, there's a little bit of that corporate, like, let's switch out the ingredient for sugar or let's do this, let's do this to save money. But he wasn't really, she wasn't really labeling the grandfather as bad because of the corporation. It was more because of his, like, she was tying it to, like, past traumas that he suffered. And then he's, What was like, his trauma? She he was competitive? There was, no, but she put that whole thing about, like, um, how, like, in Jewish families there are often traumas that haven't been dealt with and then they visited upon like another like she wrote that in the book see again i i can't read it without thinking about my own family and i have a hard time with it i don't, I don't know maybe it's my own prejudice against my own people i don't know huh, maybe this book like is trauma it's like that- it constantly like psychoanalyzing old traumas and stuff like you know and just and just alluding to it, but not saying anything about it. But you're always me. interested in brokenness and like how it impacts people. I feel like that's a question. I'm that always interested. I'm always interested in brokenness. But, okay, maybe not always. <laughs> it's not like what you're. What do you? What do you say? But you're interested in the way. I feel like I can hear you saying that, like broken brokenness or broken people, and like the impact it has. No. I feel like I've heard you say that plenty of times. Not, not on. No, I'm not talking about not in, interested the or like more want to like be with broken people. What no, are you no, talking? no. That you think about it and how like I feel like you no, have talked about. Like, I think I think there are. I think we as people are meaning making creatures, and unless we come up with a way to make meaning for ourselves, that we are lost. And in some ways broken. Yes. Yes, that sounds like something. So how is that different from what I said? You said you're really (laughs) interested in broken people. So I wasn't very artful in what I was saying. But you have an interest in how people who are maybe broken in some way make meaning of that. I feel like that is something that is of interest to you. I don't know. Not interest. Maybe interest is not the right word because that sounds too. I don't like, like broken either. I don't either. I really don't like the word. But I. I mean, isn't it related to the same way you think about how suffering plays a role in our lives? I mean, that's something that you have thought about mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And maybe you wouldn't call it brokenness, but in the book, she actually does call it brokenness. They talk about being broken, so. I mean, I thought this book was a super interesting mix of like so detailed to lose me. I think brokenness is a very Christian idea, and I'd be surprised to find a lot of Jewish people. But she definitely refers to it. I know, and it's a, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a modern Enlightenment version of. old Christian wisdom repackaged as new age philosophy. Maybe. Like I hear a lot of brokenness talk in 
when people talk about um, addiction and recovery, mm-hmm. and I talk, I hear a lot about brokenness talk when people talk about perdition and salvation. That's when I hear right. about brokenness. Like, you can't do it on your own. You need a higher power. And that's where I hear a lot of brokenness talk. And I don't see how that is congruent with what I'm seeing in this novel. I don't see... I think that that's recovery talk. Hmm. But, I mean, working through your experiences is important and that's not only an addiction yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about therapy but they didn't have therapy they specifically referenced that they didn't go to therapy no there was some talk of therapy that they should go but no one went there was some going to therapy there was some going to therapy at the end at the end but until he went to therapy at the end to work through all his past traumas it wasn't like they had before. Right. I, and they're I get fairly. It. I mean, although they were super young. We haven't even talked about that because you forget because they don't sound super young. Mm-hmm. They were like 24. Okay. Which is unusual. Even most romance novels I read, I like to read like older than mm-hmm. that because I'm like 24, you're still young. Like you don't even know. Yeah. But they didn't read as that young. Yeah. Yeah. I found it interesting that they kept kosher and yet they didn't do a lot of things. I mean, so easy to be abstinent. It's much easier to be abstinent than it is to be kosher, in my opinion. Well, to you, are you sure it is? I mean... Absolutely. You have to eat every day. You don't have to have sex every day. Yeah, but maybe if you're not sure if you can ever have it again, it becomes on your mind. I'm sure it's on on your mind, but that doesn't mean that it's... Easier to have sex than to eat. So basically, that is the central problem. Like that for you, you just couldn't get past. Well, there's. They didn't even. I mean, maybe this that. happens. Maybe there are people out there that are keeping kosher and wrapping tefillin, which is a really religious thing to be doing, and um, daily wrapping tefillin, wearing their kippas. Although he does, he he doesn't. He doesn't wear a kippa. Only her brother does. Um. Yeah, I can't tell. I mean, would they be going to conservative synagogue? Would they be going to orthodox? Are they orthodox? They they're they're not orthodox. So, but yeah, they're a kosher. But baby. they Shomer Shabbat. They're keeping the Sabbath holy, like for real Sabbath. But the kid, but the kids, like the brother and sister, were breaking that rule a little bit. Like they would text on their phone and like do. But they would say against. you're breaking the Sabbath. Yeah, they and that did. was they like a thing. Said. I mean, I'm sure and that they happens. Would, like, in try it. to hide it from. I'm their sure parents, that happens in so. Israel. Yeah. I'm sure that's like a regular occurrence. Like it is hard to keep kosher. Like you have to tear the toilet paper in advance of right. Shabbat because you, that's work. You know, there's like a bunch of things that they have to do to prepare for it. Do you know that? No. Really? When I went to my cousin's house in South Bend that was where they were like Orthodox, it was like they had to keep the doors open because they couldn't like open and shut doors. I've read that because, you know, that used to be true in Christian because in Little House – in the big woods, the first of the little house on the prairie, yeah. that's a whole thing. Like, they can't do anything. They would, they would like, put things in the oven on very, very low heat so that it would be warm by the time they could have dinner because they're not allowed to, like, cook yeah. and stuff. Like, there was, like, a bunch of preparation that they would do ahead of time, and then it would just be, like, relax and talk and read and just be family time. That's what it was. I mean, that sounds 
like a wonderful thing. Right. But I'm just saying, like, it was but extreme. I do it was the, like, yeah, like, how do you? Like, in Israel, I can see it because there are truly practicing people. And so if you're not that practicing, you, you're like, okay, I, I, yeah. like, I like taking a break on this day. So, you know, I, and I won't offend people by trying to text them and making them break their, their rest, you know, um, I don't know know what to think about it. It was, it was very hard. It was, if this, if this subculture exists, well, I mean, it must exist in some form. Like, like this, I, I have a maybe hard time. not all the pieces put together this way, but I mean, she's definitely writing from at least inspired by experience. Hmm. Well, I just uh, I'm surprised that people are so liberal in their sexual mores, but so conservative in a myriad of other ways you know i'm just surprised and i don't know how they reconcile it or maybe they don't need to it's interesting she kept a lot of jewish traditions laws followed the mitzvahs but it's not like she was conservative like there were other ways it was very liberal very modern so she must not be it must not be a super conservative Hmm. perspective yeah i don't know I don't either, but I mean, it's kind of interesting, clearly. I mean, there was like a lot that came up for you in reading it that most of these don't. Yeah. I, maybe it's in New York. Maybe that's the place where, you know, you have a built-in, like my experience has been in place. I've never, I mean, when I was, I was in New York, that, but it's I, gotta did, be different. I didn't yeah. hang out with Jews in New York when it's I was there It's different when there's school. a whole community, whereas you've been in Well, religious Jews, I should say. Small community. Well, yeah, and so my experience of people who have bakeries, what are you doing? I don't know. My experience <laughs> of people who have bakeries um, is like in the is Midwest, like Chabad right? people, right? And like, like they're the ones who are the making the kosher meals for the rabbis who came for my events in in Grand Rapids. But that's like such a small community there, and like, so like not... I can't imagine people running a bakery. And keeping kosher and wrapping to fill in, but at the same time being very progressive progressive. when it comes to other morals. Right. But that makes sense, though, that in a, like, in New York, though, there might be differences. There's a built-in community. Because there's this very big community. A lot of people want to come. All kinds of different people who connect with each other. So you're going to have a different. But everything I've seen, you know, I follow these YouTubers who are, like, travel YouTubers. And there's one, one guy... Peter Santanello, who's who traveled to some Hasidic communities in New York, and you go into these bakeries that are kosher bakeries. The people are also super orthodox. Maybe like yeah. I, I've never seen people sort of like fake orthodox. I'm going to wear a kippah, but I'm going to have all these like modern ideals. But I would think I would think within so the let's... Jewish community, they they would probably know well. You don't really. Maybe, but if you're 25, are you sure? Because how many 25-year-olds have you engaged well, with? 24-year-olds. They got to think they're young. Yeah. They're like a different generation than us. That's true. Yeah, who knows? Right. Yeah, like, I don't know maybe, either. Maybe that's the way it is now. Maybe we should go up to New York and explore. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was in Grand Rapids, I always wanted to go to the, um, the Rebbe's 
house in Crown Heights. You know, that was like the, where the Rebbe lived and stuff. <laughs> I wanted to just see it, you know. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe that's what it's like. So then I guess, did you learn anything about romance from this? Then? Well, I did, I did like the, the stuff where they talked about um, the Jewish concept of intimacy you know I and did boundaries like that. that was fascinating to me because mm-hmm. i think of it as like you have no boundaries it sounded very much and like so what the habad guys it was like told a, me it's a very different way of thinking about though. the about the mikvah they said the same thing they oh. would say the same thing they'd be like oh after two weeks all you want to do is just like be <laughs> with your wife you know <laughs> I'm like yeah i can kind of get that but um I mean, it is tied up with, like, ritual, like, cleanliness and ritual. It's a little... But I think it's very interesting, mm-hmm. the whole boundary thing. And yeah. the question of boundaries and intimacy. Because I definitely have, like, a modern, not Jewish idea about the idea that intimacy comes with the, like, reduction of boundaries. Well... I don't know if you really believe that deep oh, down. I if do. you if we were to examine, no, I don't think you believe that. I think there are still some boundaries that you like. You won't let me punch you. Not sure that's the boundary they're talking about. I'm just saying that's a boundary. I mean, there. Okay, are, fine. Yes, there are boundaries around violence. Yes, but there are violence. Uh, there, that's not what they're. There talking are boundaries about around book. all sorts of ways of acting and decorum and like. You do believe that you ultimately hold the um, key on whether or not I we can be intimate or not. You you believe oh, that I can't true. force myself on you, or that you, well, yeah, but or I mean, they, yes. or you don't believe that you have to try to be intimate with me if you don't want to, right? Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, well, that's pretty pretty much what they were saying. I mean, right? Mm-hmm. But I believe you can ask. Well, they said you couldn't ask? That it should be the woman who asks. Oh. Only the woman. Really? Yeah. They said that. To be intimate even during the two weeks? Uh-huh. That it's, that you're allowed? Huh. That is interesting. I don't know what that means. I mean, I think that that's got to be. <laughs> you're like, I, mean, I we, can't even. We would never have sex. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Like reject that idea. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think if you searched your own heart, you'd find that that was probably not. That's what I mean. I, that is not a not boundary that I think. Yeah, I don't. That's why I said it. I don't. That's not something that I think. What if you had to initiate every time? You would hate. Well, it. I assume it's not. It's just like you have to indicate that you. I don't know. That sounds to me like you'd have to initiate. Uh, yeah, and time. I like. You I don't said, like I it. I would not think that was a boundary I would want to erect. Something to think about. Let's try that out. You just have to initiate it every time. <laughs> See how that works out for you. But so actually, I'm kind of happy. I wasn't sure as I was reading the book what this would do, but good discussion of this book. Mm-hmm. Gave us some things to think about that most of them have not. Yeah. Is there anything you just have to read aloud? Because I know we've probably talked pretty much the amount of time. But well, there are a few terms that we haven't heard before. Masturbating furiously was the term <laughs> that showed up. 
Like I said, they're um, very like concrete descriptions. Clitoral hood showed up in there. Did you like that? Uh, although it was like referencing him dressed as a hamantashen because I guess that looks like a vagina. I've never heard that before. I haven't either. Uh, I know I should have highlighted that one line that I just found so funny. Evadol had a thing for hot and inconsistent, but still decently observant <laughs> Jewish men. She loved nothing more than a man sporting a kippah, quoting her verses from Talmud and Perkei Avot. Once in Jewish summer camp, she'd caught the sight of older boys down by the lake, laying to fill in while their swim trunks, well in their swim trunks one morning, and it basically ruined her for life. <laughs> I think we should end on that note. That was really the highlight passage for me of the yeah, today, whole thing. Today in Sunday school, I was talking about Judaism, Judaism and I did. And I you, was like, that is... You were like, oh, I feel hot, baby. <laughs> Let's get busy back in the Sunday okay, school. Okay, I did room. not say that. That's what you said. No, I said I, I just was like, love baby, I don't, more. I don't do that. It was in about church. the love for you and how like you were. I was like, not in the Sunday school room. <laughs> Somebody could catch us. So, not true. Not true. If anyone's listening. Yeah, the constant re- references to tukuses was a little. Yeah, annoying. that was a bit much. I was like, okay, one time maybe when I read it, I had to read it again. I was like, they're not using the word tukus in the book. And then they used it over, over and over and over and, and spoken. The guy was like, I like your tuchus. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Who says that? Because well, the way I think of it, I think of tuchus as like what my grandmother would say to me. Yeah. It's like disgusting. Gross. There's all kinds of weird things. You're just going. bumping know, it all just, over the place. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like this drink hit me today. She began to look at her chronic pain as a sacred whisper from the universe to slow down. I threw up in my mouth when I read that. Okay. Well, you know what? You haven't dealt with chronic pain, so let's just wait. I have a bad ticker. Let's just see how you would deal with it, okay? She's trying to make peace with it. Yeah. So anyway, again, something to take away and something to think about. It's true. I just need to increase my compassion. My empathy. Maybe, maybe that was the problem for you with this book. I need, I need, uh, I need to work on my empathy. That's all there is to it. So, what's up for next week? Next week is Between Us by Mahari McFarlane. I don't know how you actually pronounce it. It's M H A I R I. Is the first name McFarlane? Between Us. Between Us. What's it about? It is. About, I don't actually know. I just like this author, and this is her new book. Mahari McFarland. When Royson, R O I S I N, oh, is that Rasheen? I think that might be Rasheen. Yeah. And Joe join their friends for a weekend at a country house. It's a triple celebration a birthday, an engagement, and the launch of Joe's shiny new TV show. But as the weekend unfolds, tensions come to light in the group, and Rasheen begins to question her own relationship. And as they watch the first episode of Joe's drama, she realizes that the private things she told him, which should have stayed between them, are right there on screen. With her friend group in chaos and her messy love life on display for the whole world to see, Roisin returns home to avoid the unwanted attention and helps run her family's pub. Mm. Family's pub. It's like a heartwarming story waiting to happen. Yes, and then she meets an old friend who is suddenly there for Rasheen in ways she never knew she needed. That's the romance of it. Out of great heartbreak can come love. Yeah. So next week, 
between us. Between us. 